But as men, we can get distracted really easily. Uh, and I, I think, guys, you'd, you'd, you'd agree with me on this, that it is. It's super easy to get distracted. You know, your, your wife is talking to you, and, and we've, we've got this place that we go, men go, called nothing. There's nothing there. And you say, what are you thinking about? And what do you say? We say, nothing. And you see, can't say nothing because there's something. No, we have got nothing land. And we go there. We go there a lot. And so she's talking away. This is talking not... And, and she's talking away, and, and you're looking and you're nodding your head at her. And she says, you haven't heard a thing I've said, have you? And we have this uncanny ability, guys. Can, we can repeat the last five words that she said. She could be talking for ten minutes straight. And, we, and she says, what did I just say? And we can repeat the last five words. And, and it used to work for me. But it doesn't anymore. Because she says, what did I just say to you? And I'm busted. I, you know, I, I went to nothing land. And, and that's my point this morning. I get distracted. And as real men of God, we can become so distracted that we lose sight of that heavenly cause that God has called real men of God to, to be a part of. Look at John 14, C and 17. I'm reading for, from the uh, New Living Translation, and it says, God's Word lives in your hearts, and you have won your battle with the evil one. Do not love this world or the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. There is not, they are, these are not from the Father, but are from the world, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. This is the, the lust of the flesh, lust of the, lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life that we're talking about. And so my first point this morning is when real men get distracted, they're going to love the world's system rather than the Word of God. Real men, men of God who get distracted, will love the system of the world rather than the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.4 says, no, no one serving a soldier gets involved, as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Guys, remember, we've got this heavenly cause. We, we, we have a, heavenly, a, a divine calling from God. And although we're men with a cause, if we're not careful and we get distracted, we leave that call in the dust. The distracted man will pursue an earthly kingdom. And, and this is what happens over and over again. We'll lose sight of our divine call. We, we will start building an earthly kingdom rather than building the kingdom of God. And we fall in love with the things of the world rather than falling in love with the kingdom of God. And the man who is living for God doesn't want to get tangled up in these civilian affairs, the things of the world, because he wants to please his commanding officer. <clears throat> 102 years ago, when I was in the Army, uh, I jumped out of helicopters. 
It's called air assault. We were really tough. They didn't give us parachutes. <laughs> we were only that far off the ground. But, but we, had a, we had a commanding officer, CO, and, uh, and, and this guy was the first off the, the helicopter and the last one on. He, he, was, he, was, uh, he had served, already had served uh, two, two tours of duty in Vietnam, had lost his left hand. Uh, Captain Renegal was a, was a man's man. And we would have charged the gates of hell with squirt guns for this guy. We didn't want to disappoint him. But that was of the flesh. That was the old man. How much more so, God, when he calls us with that divine calling, are we ready to say, yes, count me in. I don't want to disappoint you, Lord. And this happens time and time again. We get distracted. We continue to travel. Uh, even though we start off just a little off track, over time we end up far, far away from God and what God intended us as men to be. And so, as you look at this, what are the things that cause us to get distracted? And why do we get distracted? And I think the reason is because as men, we want to conquer we do. We want to keep score. Uh, and, and we want to win. Men do want to win. And they will. They'll keep score on anything. You know, we've got more people on our side of the church than you've got on your side of the church. We win. Well, what do you win? <laughs> we got more people on our side of the church. Well, that brings me to the second point, and, and that's distractions of real men can be deadly can be deadly. It's so subtle, it starts right and then begins to go off course just ever so slightly. 1 John 2.16, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but from the world. Lust of the flesh, it's sexual lust. And that can come in all kinds of... of uh, uh, models for you. The lust of the eyes. It's the material stuff. You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell my, my boat because my neighbor got a bigger boat. And the pride of life. Desiring the applause of men. Now, there, hey, there is nothing at all wrong with an attaboy. You know, you do a good job it's really cool to have somebody say thanks. Man, you did a phenomenal job in whatever. It feels good when people give us that kind of thanks, doesn't it? I know you're here, you're breathing. Yeah, and so, and so there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, with, with receiving the, uh, the... You hit the mark. Way to go. Thank you. But when we begin to live for that, that's when it, the devil traps us. When all we can think of is, I'm doing this because it's going to make me feel good. I'm, 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 the big, you know the big thing is musicians. Ladies, I'm, I'm, this, is, this is good stuff. This is coming from a grandpa, okay? Don't marry a musician. What? They're nuts. Do I have an amen back there? Yeah, yeah. No, 
that, that, that uh, musicians are so talented, they can be a little difficult to understand. I can't understand them. I really did. When, when your mom was playing up there, I couldn't understand how she played the guitar and the drums at the same time. It's called a bass. There you go. But you know what? When we were done, you guys didn't want the, the, the applause. Uh, Matt hates it when I tell him, way to go, good job, thanks a million. You know, he, 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 he's, he's uncomfortable doing that. Stop it because I'm pointing you out and now you don't have an excuse. But because he doesn't live for that. And we don't li- we we got to stop this this idea of of living for people giving us those kinds of uh, attaboys. They're called accolades. And start living for the applause of God. We're playing to the audience of one, and that's Jesus Christ. John moves to application as he warns them not to love the world, and he and he gives two reasons why we shouldn't do it. Love of the world wipes out. The love of the Father. And the investment of love in the world is without meaning because the world, by, the Bible says, is going to pass away. It's going, it's, it's, it's going to go. It's, it's going to disappear. It's going to burn up. So why are you investing in nothing? Your best investment is in, is in people. Invest in one another. Invest in family. Invest in church. Those things, invest your life in the Word of God because the Word of God will never, ever, ever, ever pass away. Amen? The love of the world is spelled out here. The desire of the flesh describes the principle of worldliness which love of the world flows. It's sarks. Doesn't that sound worldly? Sarks. You can't say that with a straight face. That's the flesh. That's, that's, That's this stuff. And it's that heart in us that wants that applause of men. And, and the flesh refers to the outlook, oriented towards, the outlook oriented towards self, which produces in the end that self-centeredness. And the flesh not only becomes the basis for rebellion against God, but also implies that uh, all that is, is materialistic and egocentric and explo- exploitive, it doesn't last, and it's selfish. It's at the root of racism and sexism, uh, love of injustice, despising the poor, despising the orphans, the widows, neglecting the weak and helpless, every practice of unrighteousness. The flesh is at the root of that problem. The lust of the eyes. A lot of guys have this problem. You know, men are, are spurned on, are egged on, are, are excited by what we see. The eye gate. It, can re- it, it, it refers to everything that will entice us. Everything. The tendency to be captivated by outward visible splendor and show, but more importantly, more probably, the basic thought is of greed and the desire for those things that arouse them. Pride of life. 
This is the pretentious hypocrite. <laughs> this is the person who glories himself or in his possessions. I've got a bigger house, got a bigger car, got a bigger boat. I got smarter kids. I got smarter grandkids. No, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. He's this person that's full of false pride based on his view, on the view of his own self-importance. That's a tragic figure of a man. If my reputation, my public image matters more to me than the glory of God or the well-being of my family and friends, this becomes pride and it becomes idolatry. Pride of life. Pride of life will be reflected in whatever status symbol is important to me. This is my identity. Uh, when I define myself to others in terms of my accomplishments, my stuff, uh, where I live, my bank account, this is the boastful pride of life. And Satan, when you stop and think about this, you look at, at Genesis 4 and, and uh, or, or Genesis 3 and Acts 4, you recall the temptation in the garden and the temptation of Jesus in the desert. Satan used the exact same tactics in both cases as Paul is talking about here in, in Corinthians. Men, you've got to remember your heavenly cause and we, have to, and, and we have to reclaim it. We have to reclaim our cause. We talked about your cause last week and it's up to you to define what that cause is. And when you begin to stray off course, you're building an earthly kingdom, and that will not last. It's going to, it's going to fall. It's going to destroy, be destroyed. And the base desire of human heart perverts and distorts every single normal desire. Or Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Galatians 19, uh, 5, 19 through 21, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins just like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The loss which enslaves us includes all these excesses that Paul warns us about. Well, okay, how do, you do, how do you prevent it? How do you stop this from happening? Well, again, you go to Hebrews. Or you go to the Scripture. But Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. That's your heavenly calling. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates the, and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. This is my cloud of witnesses. You keep my feet placed firmly on the ground. You help me so I'm not blown over by, by the stupid stuff that comes my way. 
you're there to have, give me a, a, a shoulder to cry on or, or a, a pat on the back to say, it's okay, John, I understand. I've won through the same doggone thing, and it isn't quite that bad. You'll survive. But even if you don't, God's still with you. Even if you don't. And he's going to say the same thing to girls. And, and ladies, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just wanting to give this to men. This applies to you too. But the problem is that we have a bigger problem than that because we don't have that soft, tender spirit, that teachable spirit that you young ladies have. Man, don't lose that. Guys will, guys will love that in you. You'll get the most incredible man of your dreams if that someday you get called to, get, to be married when you have that kind of man in mind. Just because he's cute and smells good, don't let that stray you. We need to surround one another. We need to hold one another accountable. We need to be there. You need to have someone to help us run alongside with us that, that race of endurance. We've got to have that. You recall the story of, of David when he was where he shouldn't be? And he was up in the tower. He was the king. He could do whatever he wanted to do. But he was up there in the spring of the year when everybody was supposed to go out to war. And the king was also the head of the war armies. And he should have been there with him. But he wasn't. And because of the lust of his flesh, he took a woman that wasn't his wife. And so 2 Samuel 11.1, 1, God sends a man by the name of Nathan. He was a prophet. It says in the spring, 2 Samuel 11.1, 1, in the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Amorites, Ammonites they destroyed the Ammonite village and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. And because of that, he got off track. He forgot his heavenly calling. He veered off course because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And murder, destruction, and the death of an innocent child plagued him. So here comes Nathan, and he tells a story about, about a poor man that had one lamb that he raised from birth. And the other man was a rich man that had huge herds. And the rich man came and took that young man's, or that man's one little lamb that he loved to sacrifice for a feast for his friends. Nathan's telling that story. And in 2 Samuel 12, 5 through 7, David, it says, David was furious as surely as the Lord lives. He vowed any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. David, you are that man. And the Lord, of the, and the, the, Lord the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. And look at what you have done. And Nathan got his attention. The rich man took the poor man's lamb. You're the man. Ata ish. Ata ish. That sounds Indian, but it's Hebrew. Ata ish is Hebrew for you are the man. 
Ezekiel 22.30 says, I looked for a man among you who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. Can you see how this applies? I looked for a man who'd stand in the gap. Couldn't find anybody, but God says, I found one. I found one. I found one. I found one. Ataish. You're the man. Ataish. You're the man. God found one. You're the man who could change generations to come. You're the man who can fall so in love with God and his kingdom that the world loosens its grip on you. You're the man who can make an eternal difference because you are an overcomer. Ataish. You're the man. And young men and fathers and grandfathers, you're strong men. And the Word of God lives inside of you. You're overcoming the evil one, but you did not love this world or anything in it because if you love the world, you can't love God. Hebrews 12, 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Men, Ataish, don't settle for anything less. So what are you going to take with it, me? Take with yourself, take away today. I, I see two things that when real men get distracted, they're going to love the system of the world rather than the word of God. Distractions of real men can be deadly. It'll take you out of the place that you belong. It'll take you out of the will of God. It will take you out of the place where you have that, that cause that God has given you to fight, where you are the champion of your family, you're the champion of the church, you're the champion in the workplace, and when you get distracted, all of that goes away. You're the man. Ataish. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you for the men in our church. Lord, I thank you for there being men in the church who are, who are filled with integrity and love for their family and love for God, love for the world, word, love for the church, love for the lost. Lord, I pray that there isn't a man in here that's distracted right now. And if he is, get him back on track. Help him, Lord, to see that heavenly call, that heavenly cause that, that you have placed in his, in his heart. And you have said, Son of mine, Ataish, you're the man. And Lord, if there's one here today that does not know you as Savior, may this be the day, may this be the day right now where they say, John, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't know if I'm the man. I don't know if I'm the woman. I don't know if I'm the young person. Because I really don't know Jesus. And this is a day, my friends, that you can settle that for eternity. That you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you died, you'll go to heaven by a simple prayer. And the prayer, friends, the prayer, prayer doesn't save you. The prayer doesn't save you at all. 
But it, it opens you up to have a condition of heart where you're wanting to believe and trust in Christ. And you can pray a simple prayer, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And right now, in the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my life and save me from that sin. I believe you died on the cross for me personally that I might live forever with you in heaven. And I thank you for it in your son's precious name and for his sake. Amen.